Good morning, everyone. As you know, I have a thing for disruptive technologies, specifically blockchain, AI, are kind of the things I really love. Blockchain, I love a little bit more. Um, I think it's an exciting technology. I had an opportunity and privilege to, to be in the industry before, um, partly pro, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I, I really love learning and experimenting with that technology. Today, I have a very fantastic guest um, who I've known for, for a while and um, and have done some amazing things with him. Um, had an opportunity to visit Capitol Hill and persuade some regulators in the past and thoroughly enjoyed that process. Um, and today I wanna focus on the opportunities in blockchain and crypto and how professionals start thinking about educating themselves, policies, and the opportunities available to them that will become available in the next year and the next three to five years, how to think about it. He's very knowledgeable. He's been in the industry for a while. He's a fantastic person and a personal friend. Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, please introduce yourself. Thanks so much, Olga. It's great to be back uh, and with you. I know I've known you for several years now. Uh, just so your audience to know, my name is Dan Spooler, and I currently am the Director of Industry Affairs for the Blockchain Association, which is in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're a trade group. Um, I'll get into that in a moment, but my background had been mostly in public administration. I worked for the North Carolina Commerce Department and uh, DOT, and but as a in the early days, let's say 2012 was when I first learned about Bitcoin. Um, I, I dabbled in it uh, more as a hobby, and I eventually uh, put on a few conferences after going to all the meetups and uh, met a lot of good people early on in the space. And then through my work with the state government, I helped uh, push for the improvement to the State Money Transmitters Act in North Carolina in 2015 and 16. Um, we, we got uh, some legislation updated, and I was offered a job to move up to Washington, D.C. In 2016, uh, I worked for the Chamber of Digital Commerce for four years up until uh, last spring. And now I transitioned to the Blockchain Association. It's also a trade group. And I've had really great opportunity to meet fantastic companies over the years. Uh, some of them have come and gone. A lot of them have grown considerably. And I'm kind of a fly on the wall. I've got a chance to really interact with some great businesses and then also be part of the policymaking conversation, too, uh, here in D.C. <laughs> I love it. And let's talk about all of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> this uh, you you've done quite a lot of things and 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 know quite a number of who is who's in the industries as you said seen them come and go um and thrive and and as you would expect this industry is unfolding why initially you got excited you know because you you mentioned there's initial interest and then why do you still why are you still excited about blockchain i'm really excited about it from the get-go just philosophically i thought there was a lot to bring uh, that this technology can bring not just to digital the currency, but to a lot of different use cases and a lot of different industries. And it, it proved to be, and it continues to prove to be, quite a disruptive uh, technology. And that's not a bad word. I think people, uh, in often cases, incumbents tend to not like the term disruptive, but it's necessary. And that's what's keeping this uh, just human society moving forward in the right directions. But the, 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 I like a good challenge too. And I think this industry has, uh, an, has enormous challenges ahead from the regulatory side. Um, we've overcome a lot and it's come a long way. Um, we've certainly improved the perception of the ecosystem, the industry, but the regulatory side still seems to be a challenge. And that's an area that we're really working hard on. 
All right, we'll talk to we'll talk regulators. After all, I'm only a lawyer and I like laws and regulations. Definitely my jam. But before you get there, what I find is very unique about blockchain is that the role of the industry groups, like a very important role. You've been in chambers, which is a fantastic organization. I I I've been part of that organization, and now you are a blockchain association. Uh, tell us more about where you are now, kind of why you're different, what you guys do, because I do think you're doing a very important service um, to to the industry, to society as a whole. And then really uh, maybe let's dive deep about the importance of industry groups yeah. and this in blockchain, crypto, especially in quote unquote, the early days. Well, we're, um, we're a 501c6 trade association, so we're based in Washington, D.C., and the Blockchain Association specifically focuses on U.S. policy, on American, on American uh, industry. And we do that through a few different ways. As you know, innovators, are, we're facing regulatory minefields, and lawmakers need, uh, we, they need to navigate this complex uh, ecosystem we live in. So what we do is we build partnerships on Capitol Hill and within the industries to share knowledge, to we identify opportunities, and we're working together to co-create this digital future uh, to make it transparent, inspiring, uh, secure, and, and equitable. And we build relationships on Capitol Hill and with the regulatory agencies. And so policy ma policy uh, maker education is by far our number one issue. It's our prior. It's our priority. And each day, it seems like we have new issues that pop up. I mean, just today, um, the news out of China. And <laughs> an area where we have to constantly re-educate um, members of Congress, the Senate, the House, and the regulatory agencies at the federal level uh, to tell them what is happening on a positive note and what we can do to stay competitive in this, in this world. Yeah, I, I, I really like the flirtation with crypto and blockchain in China. They seem to be having a change of hearts often. So it was just really it was a recycle. I mean, if you look at it closely, they essentially said the same thing in 2017. So these news stories pop up every few years, um, even yeah. months recently. They're, they're, uh, they're very sure. fickle, very fickle there. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite interesting to see that. Um, you said something very interesting, and I want to follow up. I, I definitely will pursue the kind of the recent events. I have some questions, but um, you said something that I think is very important for this industry, frankly, any other, and I actually think it's an important mindset for lawyers, especially in-house lawyers. Uh, and I wrote it down, co-create digital future. Wow, I love that. Tell me kind of, that's very important, that that's a philosophical mm -hmm. shift. And frankly, when I was very actively in blockchain industry, um, that co-creating digital future, the actual going and explaining and persuading and providing materials and educating and having continuous dialogue, that was actually by far the most exciting part of my job. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, this, going to Sacramento and DC and, and having roundtables because it was just, it felt like I was not, I was not just like receiving regulations that I may or may not expect and like not knowing where stuff comes from and what to do with it. I was a participant, even if I don't get what I want, I could understand what they meant. And I formed some uh, allyships and friendships and people who would help me along. So I totally uh, enjoyed it. That was the best part. And, and, and you, you were very instrumental in that. Help Thank me you. kind of how you and, and, and blockchain association think through this co-creation of digital uh, future. The co-creation term, 
I, I think what that could be broken down to is that blockchain is really just one, uh, I think, facet of this emerging digital ecosystem. Um, it's the one we focus on primarily, but it could also include other fast-growing verticals, and that it can include artificial intelligence, you know, it can include data sciences. I mean, there's a, a vast array of this emerging ecosystem, digital uh, creations, let's call it. And I think uh, we're one of the fast-growing areas, for example, right now we're seeing is with, with NFTs, non-fungible tokens. I mean, that really is it's emerging as one of our fastest-growing verticals in this in, in the space. And that, it's been around for a few years, but it's gotten a lot of traction this year. And that's an area that there it has enormous uh, benefits for artists and for uh, for for anyone that can develop a product and get get, get credit for it. Uh, this really wasn't a major discussion in the policymaking meetings we've held back on Congressional Blockchain Education Day, but now it is. And I think it makes our job easier when we can see different use cases and present them to the decision makers and to tell them this is more than just Bitcoin, it's more than just crypto assets. It can involve a lot of different topics. And the same thing goes with DeFi, which is you know another discussion. Yeah. I, I look. I got excited about NFTs in 2016. I attended yeah. this underground uh, conference about NFTs in New York, and um, I think I was the oldest person in the room. Uh, everybody felt like no. they were my kids' age, but they had this idea that blew my mind, and I had to write a book. And a lot of kind of what I have in the in the blockchain value book is actually interviewing folks who are doing some really exciting things. Um, and but I, I, my mind was blown. I, I I felt like I was part of this underground culture, and um, I was just so I I, I got so excited about well, NFTs. Some of those NFTs that you saw in two thousand six. 16 are very, very uh, marketable right now. Some of them are uh, selling for <laughs> enormous amounts of money. So I don't know. If yeah, I got, I got some for free, uh, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not filling some bins. Let's talk about, you know, I know you, you've done some, actually, let's talk about the recent work that Blockchain Association have been doing. You, there's yeah. some legislation you, you mentioned, you know, things uh, like NFTs that you've been explaining in China. But you've been you've been busy. Well, you've been busy for a while, but we've been most recently busy. What are the things you're working on? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, we're working on something new. It seems like every day. But let me just break it down. So each each year, at the beginning of each year, our, our association likes to put out policy priorities. Uh, and it's funny because we put them out in January, but by the here we are, August, September, and it's almost completely changed because the industry is moving so quickly. But a few of the issues that we've been tackling include. Stable coins and the regulations behind them, uh, self-hosted wallets, uh, which was a major concern earlier this year out of Treasury. Now we worked to really uh, calm that down a little bit, but I would imagine that'll come back. Uh, securities law clarity, of course. I know the attorneys in your audience are very familiar with those issues. Uh, taxes, uh, custody, and then of course privacy. So those are some of the primary, I would say focal points we're doing right now uh, with our working groups and with our initiatives. And we're very member driven. So we, we just broke uh, 50 members and they come from all different walks. Uh, but it's we really do what they what they want, what the industry wants. And that's what our focus is. Let's talk about a couple of those things. Yeah. I, 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 I find stable coins super fascinating. I, um, I, I, I understand the concept. I, I still kind of think that it, you know, why have stable coins when you have fiat? Kind of get it, kind of still struggle with it. I'm sure I'm not the only one. What is sort of the main things that we are now explaining to regulators and, 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 and where, you know, where do your members would like to see 
the legislation and regulations on stable coins to go? Yeah, you know, with I would say of all the aspects in the crypto ecosystem, stable coins seem to be the segment that policymakers understand the most. And as such, we're working with several, we're developing several efforts to provide a regulatory framework for stable coins. Uh, the ones that have been proposed thus far over the years uh, have been misguided in our opinion. But we're working collaboratively right now with President's Working Group. Uh, we had a meeting with them recently, and it's uh, it's it's become a very large issue, especially with the vast growth of DeFi. Uh, DeFi is again a very fast-growing vertical, but it's all the liquidity is all through stablecoins. And general generally, good stablecoin policy has to come, we think, from the OCC, and we want to make sure that we ensure the OCC's interpretation of that uh, and of national banks hold. Um, well, we want banks may hold stablecoin reserves. We want to make sure that remains in effect. I would say, though, the emergence of the SEC's interest in this is quite interesting. Um, yeah. This week, Gary Gensler did a um, uh, an interview with with Washington Post. I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have tuned in for that. It was pretty telling, and I think we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> so, what 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 have you highlighted from that interview? I'm just curious because um, I, I am I you know I'm a little. I, at this point, I'm, I'm I'm watching and eating popcorn, but you are in it. So, yeah, in it. so what, what the person who's in it, what did you get out of that interview? Well, you know, I, I think he was interviewed again earlier this week by the Washington Post. And um, he's he, he was a former uh, professor at MIT during his prior to him joining the, um, the SEC. And I, I think. Uh, he compared stable coins to poker chips. That was interesting. And um, he, he indicated that uh, they, he needed more authority from Congress. I mean, the existing clarity of securities laws and the SEC oversee, he thinks that they oversee a broad array of, they do, they oversee a very large array of financial instruments. Uh, but I think there's going to be some turf wars coming with who has uh, jurisdiction over over stable coins and also exchanges, spot exchanges. Yeah, I feel like the jurisdictional issues are like in blockchain crypto uh, is, is, is like a phenomenon with everything. You know, there's array of prospective regulators from state to federal to uh, all kinds of other agencies. The whole alphabet soup just kind of like swooshes and, and, and the industry has to spend the, the first year or two to yeah. kind of figuring out who's who. That's kind of normal. If you're in the industry, you should kind of expect that. Um, and he has a report coming out too, by the way. Um, and, if, you know, we're going to be watching that very closely. And he, he'll be testifying next month too to provide additional comments on regulation uh, with House Financial Services Committee. So we'll, we'll definitely be watching that closely. Yeah, I, I, I've heard the, the, the chips analogy and I, I noted it to self and I didn't think it was helpful, but I'm glad you picked up on that too. Um, let's talk about self-hosted wallets. That's probably less intuitive concept than stable coins. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it and what do you see important highlights of that, of that, uh, of the trends there? That started really, uh, first of all, the, there's a few different terms that we call self-hosted wallets. Some people call it unhosted wallets. It's really when you have custody of your own, your own coins. And that was a major priority to us earlier in the year, really right before the transition of the Trump administration to the Biden administration. In the waning days of December, uh, then Secretary of the Treasury uh, Mnuchin and the Treasury Department really was pushing for this uh, pretty onerous um, um, uh, regulations towards uh, so, so, towards self-hosted wallets. And so we work really hard to stop Treasury's proposed rule from being finalized. 
And we have a good strategy in place to halt that rule going forward, but we, we really anticipate regulators are gonna continue um, to be concerned about individuals' ability to use self-hosted wallets to engage in transactions. Uh, and they think that, which could lead to uh, unacceptable money laundering and the, uh, terrorist financing. And I think that's one of the big concerns they have, which I, I, I understand, I get it, but there has to be, um, you know, there has to be thoughtful regulation here. And it's, it's, it's a little deep, but it's not an issue. It's, it's quieted down a little bit, but I think FinCEN and the Treasury will be revisiting that. Yeah, no, no there's a real concern there. It's not imaginary, um, but there's also a real concern with not overreacting. So I, I think a very important issue and definitely, um, you know, terrorism financing is not something we want to engage in. Um, not, not good for any of us. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking which, which, what other things I want you to comment on. I'm going to take two, two more before we go into job creation, because I also want to talk about job creation and why should folks care and how they should engage uh, with, with blockchain, crypto, NFTs, whatever. Let's talk about NFTs. Um, new cool, you know, new to some, not to me, uh, but new to some, a kid on the block, very exciting connected to beautiful art often doesn't have to i actually think it has a much more exciting feature than that um sounds like maybe misunderstood by regulators maybe not um certainly caught, caught a lot of media attention yeah, um, yeah. what is kind of number one or two regulatory issues that you think need we need to make sure that regulators and public um, understand before we make decisions that we have to live with for, for a long time. Yeah, well, we're actually in the middle right now of developing an NFT policy position. I mean, it's such a new space and it's gotten so much more traction. I, I don't have a full view right now. Our policy team, again, is working really hard on that. And we're working with the industry incumbents uh, to develop that. But I think just off the top of my head, I mean, I think the first thing we need to make sure is, you know, how they're classified. Uh, some folks may look at them as collectibles. I think that's kind of how I feel. Um, but however, if they're eventually fractionalized or securitized and sold off, then you, you run into some securities issues. But for now, um, but it, it's for for now, it, I, I would say that they're more of the collectible mindset. Uh, and yeah. that's, but it's it's a it's a big issue, and I think it gives a positive in our book. I think it's a great positive. I think it's democratizing a lot of these different ways individuals can benefit from their their intellectual capital. Yeah, whether they're artists, whether they're musicians, uh, whether they're sports figures. I mean, it's booming in that area right now. Retired, uh, current athletes. So it's it's just a terrific area, and I think we're going to see a lot of growth there. Yeah, yeah. No, esports are fascinating, and I'm 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 only only marginally interested in sports. Um, I'm more interested in arts, which I think is even more fascinating there. Um, and it's very interesting. You know, comparing the NFTs to the painting on the wall, and at what point that painting becomes a security, um, that becomes a very philosophical conversation yeah. very quickly. Right. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I really love it. I've, I've had a few guests who discussed various aspects of NFTs. Uh, I, I definitely mm -hmm. think this will go well beyond the esports and arts, but you know, esports and, and arts are really sort of easy, easy democratic way for most humans to get excited about blockchain. Um, just kind of like crypto kitties introduce NFTs. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Cute kitties, that's all you need in the end. Um, you know, um, maybe one more question, privacy, because privacy is, is a difficult question sometimes for especially public blockchain uh, because they are inherently not always private depending how you build them 
Um, so, and I can kind of see, you know, with rise of, you know, CCPA, GDPR, and whatever else in Canada and, and Australia. I mean, this yeah. is like a global phenomenon of proliferation of privacy uh, concerns because of, 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 of internet and all of that. Uh, now for a while, a very important area for consumers. We're all consumers here. Before we are blockchain enthusiasts, so all affected by that, and then blockchain on top of it. Um, how are you guys thinking about it? Yeah. And, and 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 also because privacy is so politicized, are we you able to really reach legislators uh, to kind yeah, of? I mean, just as philosophically to me, I mean, privacy is it, it's. It's non-negotiable. I mean, it's a it's a core tenet in our constitution here in the United States. It's very important, I think, as a citizen. Uh, but however, federal and, regulatory and, and a human right human in right. many countries yeah. outside of the United States, which is arguably bigger than the constitutional right. But yes, that's right. I mean, it's a human right, and I think that's why it's so important that we get this right. And I mean, we're, and we're working on getting our head. The industry and and the regulators are getting they're working to get their head around this issue. Uh, so it kind of harkens back to what I mentioned previously about the self-hosted wallet. I mean, that's a privacy issue. But the feds, the federal regulators, law enforcement agencies, they've clearly signaled heightened concerns around privacy coins. Uh, you know, DOJ Enforcement Network, FinCEN, the, the self-hosted wallet, NPRM I had mentioned. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely front and center. But privacy is definitely not a bad word. It's, 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 it's integral. It's core. We have several members that are really focused on this issue. Um, some of the cryptocurrencies specifically are focused on this issue, like Zcash. It's one of our members, uh, the electric coin company. Now, uh, I think some other countries and some other jurisdictions perhaps don't take privacy the same way we do. Um, and I think that's something to really weigh. Um, and it, it, there's, there's going to be, it's going to be big debates going down in the future on this very topic. But you know, we, we're very supportive of this topic. And uh, we're working on it, and we're working on drafting educational tools for policymakers uh, on the. And it's just a critical value of privacy in crypto transactions. Yeah, yeah, Zcash is doing some really cool stuff. I've yeah, always, yeah, I've been watching that company for a little while. They're pretty cool. Glad you guys got them as members. What in your mind is kind of uh, what? What is like one or two things that you think reg regulators misunderstand or not quite get? Not everyone, but on average, say in NFTs, crypto, and or like intellectual property or privacy. What is kind of your top one, two, or three issues that you uh, think that really important but misunderstood yeah i think there's a few challenges i think that one of the big issues that regulators are concerned about is taxes i think a lot of it boils down to revenue and we saw that just last month with the infrastructure bill which you know we we, we, we spent a lot of time on august is usually the slow month in washington it turned out to be our busiest month of the year but i think to answer the question yeah taxes is a major reason i think why the federal government and the treasury are interested more and more on this um and and and, and we're, we're going to see uh an increase in interest from the IRS on taxes. I think that's one of the big concerns they have about privacy, but also just anti-money laundering, again, terrorist financing. I think that's a big concern they have too. And there's a lot of great companies that are doing good work in this space to provide tools to track uh, and ways to, 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 to focus on uh, the cr crime, let's say. And it's a very small percentage. I think that's another big misconception, in the, at least in the Bitcoin space, very small percentage of transactions are used for nefarious purposes. Uh, and we're working, again, to, to clarify that. 
and we're leading efforts uh, to, to work on improving crypto lending legislation, um, educating the tax writing committees in Congress, and really cultivating uh, champions on this issue. But it's, uh, it's a concern. So I would say taxes, and one of the reasons why privacy is a big issue, boils down to the tax collection and um, terrorist AML KYC. In the end, it's all about the money. <laughs> yeah. Means. yeah. Uh, not surprising because it often is. Um, I, you know, I, this, you know, it's funny how, you know, in 2016, 17, I would have had the same conversations, you know, things have changed and yet things have stayed the same, you know, um, and I remember having conversations that look, I mean, the best way to, you know, for terrorists is to use cash, That's uh, right. probably even better than the crypto. Uh, and yet we think it's a good default. And yet, you know, and, and as you said, very, very small fraction of crypto is used for that purpose as far as we know. But because, you know, we're so hyper-focused on it for maybe right reasons or not, and because we have traumatic histor history with terrorism um, in mm -hmm. many countries, including United States, that's sort of a, a hot-button issue. Um, but whether we address it in blockchain crypto doesn't make it go away because cash is still with us. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, let's shift gears, and we're sort of coming to the end, but I want to talk about something um that you know all of us are, as humans as professionals care about what's in it for me yeah how do i think about my career how do i educate myself to to you know like trend grade uh is it going to be a trend that will affect my job anytime soon are there opportunities that I can be part of, right? Like, how can I, uh, you know, as a professional, position myself? Do I have to position myself? And if I do, or should I? How do I do that? So a lot of questions, then no problem. Please answer them all oh, yeah. and to the point. <laughs> this is my favorite part because I'm, I, I, I deal much more on the industry member side and not so much the policy. So I... I I did my best to answer the policy questions, and certainly there's other people on my staff that can do a far better job than I can. But from the industry side and for your audience, I think it's an incredible time to be in this space. There's tremendous industry growth, and we're seeing fast growth in a lot of different verticals uh, that I track every day. So we maintain a jobs board. Um, we could probably share the link with your, your team in there. We have Just this morning, we have over 3,800 jobs that I got to get filled. And this is just through our, our 50 members. So and what you is your what is your website just so that um, yeah it's um it's jobs.theblockchainassociation.com. There's a lot of different um, frequently people think that it's just for software developers and coders and blockchain engineers and that's 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 a big part of it and there's there's a massive demand for that right now especially if you're a specialist but there's other parts of the industry that in in the companies that they represent that really need some help. Uh, I would say the fastest growing verticals that I see. Uh, from my standpoint here as the, as, as the industry association is we, they, we need more people in compliance with expertise in Bank Secrecy Act, BSA, AML. Uh, that's a big one. Anything in compliance, it's, it's in high demand, especially for most of the exchanges and a lot of the financial service providers. Uh, talent acquisition. I mean, human resources is a big part that they need assistance with. Um, business development. I mean, sales, they, they, there's numerous positions open there. And then, of course, uh, legal. So I can't tell you, there's a, there's a definitely a shortage uh, of, of attorneys that need, that our company members need, and, but the specialties are what are key. So regulatory affairs, um, again, I mentioned KYC, AML, BSA, uh, those are all 
incredibly important. And then also international work. I think if I had to, if, if I had to recommend uh, somebody to get, I would, what, what career they should pursue, I would definitely focus on fintech and more specifically blockchain right now because it's covering a, a wide array of, of, uh, of jobs and a fast growth. And you know, I broke it down too. I mean, there's different levels we can discuss. I mean, there's payments, there's DeFi, there's different parts that we can really get into and they're all changing and there's great companies and startups that are building uh, great products. Yeah, I, you know, having been in the industry, you know, um, as a lawyer, but on, on the business side, mm -hmm. um, it's an exciting place for, for, for lawyers because arguably uh, a lot of products are legal products, right? They're financial products, whether they try to be financial or try not to be. Uh, one way or another, they have to, uh, you know, have a way to, to, to get around uh, because uh, blockchain and crypto specifically is very tied to, to financial. Um, even, you know, this conversation of whether NFTs are, you know, securities and financial is, is definitely right. So um, very interesting, definitely uh, a lot of uh, opportunities for, for, for uh, compliance and, 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 and legal, uh, kind of what you would expect from, you know, a financial industry. Uh, so super exciting time. It is definitely not law light, right? No, you, no. You, you need to know what you're doing, which I think what you are alluding, you need to have a passion and experience for fintech uh, regulations and laws, which, you know, are complicated and, you know, for historic and, and, and all kinds of other reasons. Um, really cool. So if you are a business professional or a legal professional or compliance professional, maybe in financial, maybe not even, how do you, you know, I, you know, I personally believe that blockchain is here to stay. So we're going to assume that that to be true. Um, I, I know there may be some people who will dispute that, but for the purposes of this conversation, crypto and blockchain is here to stay. Um, how quickly do you expect this industry to unfold, to affect mm -hmm. all of our, you know, it's kind of at some point, you know, internet was niche, but then at some point we're all in it. At what point there will be a critical mass that we're all increasingly are in there and how quickly do we have to move to do something about it? Quickly. Um, I think it's going to happen slow and the past decade, if it's shown us anything, it's shown that slow and steady growth is now leading into a much, much faster uh, you know, cocky stick. And we see that because the, the companies that are now getting into the, the cryptocurrency and blockchain, these some of these companies wouldn't have touched the industry at all uh, two or three years ago. Now they're definitely interested. I'll give you some examples. So, so the payments and the rewards industry is, is a very, very fast growing vertical. Payments are changing. We see that right now with the boom of BNPL, buy now, pay later. We see that with boom and with Square, with PayPal. PayPal is now doing Bitcoin. And squares also through Cash App is offering Bitcoin. They're all embracing digital assets, and I believe the Federal Reserve is going to too down the line with with the digital dollar or central bank digital currency. Um, and I would say, I mean, arguably, the Feds have been doing digital money all along. I mean, it's not that they right. move money around; they they've had ledgers. When I was economics major 20 years and, and way before, I um, I actually went to Federal Reserve in San Francisco. They showed us. Like they were not, they didn't have cards. They 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 had computer transactions. Yeah. So arguably, these guys embraced crypto well before crypto was a thing. 
Yeah, I mean, digital spending's been there for a while, like you said. I mean, very few people use cash anymore. And and then let's say, well, look what happened yesterday. So Twitter made an announcement uh, that they're, through Apple iOS that you're not going to be able to connect third-party tipping services uh, through their social media site. And, and this was announced, it'll include uh, through Bitcoin primarily in the Lightning Network. And I think that they're probably going to also add NFT verifications in the near future. So this is, and Strike is the company, which is a great startup, by the way, um, that is, is going to be making that technology possible. So that's, so that's payments. So let's look at the other ones. Like we talked about stable coins already. Um, we've, we, gaming. So GameFi. So the, the gaming space is, is incredibly busy right now. Uh, and it's merging virtual and augmented reality in with, with, with virtual currencies and cryptocurrencies. So GameFi is the name for it. You know, I love it. I love that name. Um, and, and, and I just love the effect of when, when the disruptive technologies collide and, and, and create right. this completely different world, um, that, that, that will be an amazing place to be. <laughs> and there's an entire uh, market out there. I mean, it's, so we spoke with a company, Star Atlas, yesterday. We were speaking with Gala Games. And we're speaking with these large... Uh, video game companies that are developing entire worlds um, and the currency it's going to be it's going to be nfts it's going to be digital assets so this is the future and this is happening quicker than people realize so i think and there's going to be an enormous need for of course the technical folks but also just the legal minds and the people that can really help make the uh guidelines and the rules and the regulations and to work with associations like us to help uh pro promote innovation and so Dapper Labs just joined us. They're one of our brand new members. They're, they're, oh, they're, yeah. Go, Crypto Kitties, go. <laughs> that's right. And now they're doing NBA Top Shots with the NBA. They just announced the NFL the other day. That's, again, part of the emerging interest of the technology side. But I want to point out there's also institutional interest, too, that's fast growing. That is a relatively new development. Uh, some of the institutional investors and large banks and large funds are really starting to express interest in this space. Really cool. We're coming to the end, uh, maybe one question, and then I'll let yeah. you give the parting thoughts. So, cool. You convinced me. Sounds exciting. Really cool future. How do I, as a business professional, what small, big steps can I take today to mm -hmm. be ready for this exciting future place? Definitely continue to monitor the news cycle. Continue to follow the trends. I mean, these micro trends are going to turn into uh, large movements. And I, I, don't, I, I never say never anymore. I think it's important to get in and keep an open mind when it comes to these technologies. And, uh, and you, I, I think as a business, you're either, you're either moving forward or you're, gonna, you're slowing down. And the companies that succeed in the long run, I think are, the, are going to be the ones that adapt and, and stay, stay relevant. And they're gonna have to work closely on this. And the, the same thing goes for the legal field. I think focusing on smart contracts, focusing on tech law, and, uh, and, and, and positioning yourself as a subject matter expert, you know, getting out there and speaking uh, being panelists, uh, writing blogs, writing articles. I think that's imperative too, because we need more of that uh, exposure. For every time I talk to you, I learn something. So thank you for this. Dan, I, I thoroughly, again, enjoyed our conversation. Um, you know, I want you to maybe leave the audience with, you know, one parting thought, something that mm -hmm. they should take. If they take anything out of the conversation, what is it? Yeah, so I, um, I like to say, when anybody seems to say that crypto, it's, you know, what's, what's, gonna, what's the future, what's the future of blockchain, I tell people it's doing the opposite of slowing down. It is not slowing down. 
it is going to play a major role in our industry, in our world, and in our future, especially over the next five to ten years. And uh, I think I think you owe it to yourself to to get involved and, and certainly pay attention to it. And on that note, Dan, thank you so much for joining. Um, I again, as I said, I thoroughly enjoy our conversation and learn from you some something every time. I took away open mind. I, I've certainly seen this industry grow. I, I've invested and and worked in it, and I think it's super exciting place to be. I find it challenging to write, wrap my mind around it, but I do find that I get better as I practice, and I've been practicing for you know for quite a while for a number of years now and uh, i i love it i i really definitely think that nfts blockchain crypto have quite a lot of future well outside of financial industry and definitely financial industry thank you so much for tuning in and uh, have a great day bye everyone